Beloved, it is my privilege and honor to welcome Dr. Rondell Leggett to preach this day. Dr. Leggett is pastor of First Missionary Baptist Church in our neighboring Marin City, California. And I first met uh, Rondell several years ago as he and I co-taught a class at San Quentin Prison. He is a graduate of my alma mater. He uh, is part of the leadership group of his association of churches. He also is the chairperson of the Marin City Fatherhood Council, which helps give guidance to young men in their formative years. Uh, he is married to his sweetheart, Angela, and uh, together they have three children and uh, rejoice in their four grandchildren. You are going to be blessed today in what the Lord has to share through Brother Rondell. Uh, would you welcome him now? All right. Well, good morning, Tiburon Baptist Church. Uh, by now, you know who I am, and I want to thank Pastor Bryce uh, for the invitation to come and share with you on today. And certainly, we want to thank uh, Tim and Chris for being here. And so, uh, we're going to get right into the word, and uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. Eternal and wise God, how grateful we are, Lord, for this wonderful day that you have made. God, we come this morning to rejoice and to be glad in it. Bless our time in the word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. For, oh God, you are my rock and my redeemer. I pray today, God, that you would use my mind Use my mouth and use my muscle to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do through this message. And we thank you already for the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. We love you. We adore you. We lift up your name. And we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. All right. Uh, well, good morning again. Uh, a few months ago, I was coming out of a Safeway. Uh, and as I made my way uh, to my vehicle, uh, there was a lady parked next to me. And she got out of her vehicle and her phone uh, rang and she answered it. And while uh, I was putting my bags in the trunk of my car. All of a sudden, she screamed and dropped her phone. I, I rushed to her aid, and I said, Ma'am, what's wrong? Are you hurt? What's wrong? Do you need uh, some assistance? And she started crying and screaming, my daughter has been in a car accident and my grandson was in the back of the car. I asked the lady, were they okay? Are they hurt? Uh, did anyone call a paramedic? But all she could do in her pain-stricken state is scream and cry. My daughter has been in a car accident, and my grandson was in the car. And people began to come to her aid, asking the same questions that I had already asked. 
But yet she kept crying and she kept screaming, my daughter has been in a car accident and my grandson is in the car. It was in that moment that I saw her cell phone lying on the ground and I heard a voice saying, mom, mom, where are you? Pick up the phone. Come back to the phone. So I picked up the phone and you guessed it, it was her daughter. I introduced myself and then I asked her, was she okay? And she said she was fine. And she told me, she said uh, she was a little afraid to share with her mom what had happened uh, because her mom is prone to go into panic mode. And so it took a little bit of time uh, for us to get the mom to the phone. And finally, she got to the phone and she heard her daughter's voice. Uh, and the relief came. Uh, the peace came. But I began to think that day, how often, how often that we, if we're honest, we do the same thing when scary situations come into our lives. We feel trapped and we do not know what to do. And it's in those such moments, my brothers and sisters, we begin to imagine the worst. We are panic stricken and on the verge of having a panic attack. And it's in those moments God says, do not panic, listen to me. Panic, my brothers and sisters, is fear on steroids. Panic can bring the worst out in us. Today, many are experiencing pandemic panic. We are constantly seeing news about death and illness. The pandemic of COVID-19 has disrupted our world along with the virus of systematic racism. All of us have been living on shifting sands, our normal routines disrupted. Those things that we take for granted, freedom of movement, freedom of assembly, freedom from fear of an invisible enemy, all swept out from under us. In Isaiah chapter 41, the people of God were about to lose it when they were told by the prophet Isaiah that they were about to be in exile. They were told that they were about to spend 70 years in captivity and they panicked. But God sent a comforting word to them. He promised uh, good news. He promised deliverance from their fears and their hard times. God promised to bring them out. He says in Isaiah 41, verse 10, he says, do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will 
strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. These verses, my brothers and sisters, gives us two commands. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. And two reasons to obey. For I am with you. For I am your God. We also see three promises that God will keep. He says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, I must share this with you. This text is believed to be promised to believe to be a promise made at a time for a particular people. However, I believe these promises made in this text apply to you and me. And this morning, God is saying when you go through stressful times and difficult times, do not panic. I see several reasons in this text for the people of God not to panic. First, we do not have to panic because he provides fellowship for our fears. The writer says, do not fear, I am with you. Would you believe that the most common command or word of encouragement in the Bible is not the command to love. Uh, this is an important command and the core of God's desire for human life. And yet it is not God's most frequent instructions to his people. Can I tell you uh, that the most common command or word of encouragement is not the command to be humble? No, it's not even the command to be holy. It's, it's not even the command to trust the Lord. All these are important. But one command God gives in Scripture that we see more often than any other command, and that is the command to fear not and don't be afraid. Here in this passage, God commands us, and he commands us, not to fear, because fear, my brothers and sisters, is not a productive emotions in many instances. For Paul says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Uh, see, my brothers and sisters, see people, uh, I want you to understand this. God, when we look at this text, uh, God says, do not fear. Because I'll say it again, fear is, a, uh, is not a productive emotion. Uh, fear, watch this, never cured a disease. Fear never brought a family out of poverty. Fear never saved a marriage. Fear never raised a child. Fear never fought a war. Fear never led a protest. Fear never climbed a mountain. Fear never sailed, sailed an ocean. Fear did not start the Underground Railroad. Fear did not fight 
for the abolishment of slavery, fear would have gladly given up its seat and went to the back of the bus. Fear would never have marched from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. Fear never will sing, we shall overcome. Fear will never say, I have a dream. Fear will never accomplish anything. Fear never graduates from college. Fear never gets the promotion. Fear will never ask for a raise. Fear will never start a business. Fear never wrote a book, a poem. Fear never comp composed a sympathy. A symphony, fear never wrote a song, fear will never share the good news of Jesus Christ, it never reaches for the stars, it never commits, it never takes a stand, it always takes the easy way out, it always plays it safe. God says, do not fear. He commands us not to fear, but he also provides the antidote for fear, and that is his presence. He says we can live without fear because we have his presence. The antidote to fear is God's presence, God's fellowship. Watch this. You cannot have fellowship with God and experience fear at the same time. Notice that the text does not say God was with me or notice that it doesn't say that God will be with me the text says that he is with me he provides fellowship for our fears now I got Bible for that because Moses needed that reminder and God says my presence will go with you and I will give you rest Joshua needed that reminder. God says, be strong and courageous and do not fear. Do not be discouraged for the Lord will be with you whenever you, wherever you go. David needed to remind it of that. He reminded himself of that. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28 and 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. My brother and sister this morning, I simply want to remind you when you are filled with fear, remember this truth and declare it loud and proud. He provides fellowship for my fears. I see another move in this text. Notice, secondly, we do not have to panic because he provides comfort for our confusion. Ah, comfort for our confusion. He says, do not be dismayed. I am your God. Hmm. To be dismayed literally means to look around anxiously as one does in a state of alarm. Dismayed is a feeling of hopelessness, disappointment, and discouragement. It is, it is a sudden loss of courage and confidence. But for those moments, God offers his comfort. For those Israelites, trouble was coming and life would be hard to bear. It would be easy for them to find themselves 
discouraged and wanting to give up. But God promised comfort to those who were weary and needed encouragement. All was not lost. The moments in life when we are confused, God provides comfort. When we experience hatred and bigotry, envy and jealous, corporate greed like never before, when we see government corruption, sex scandals, police brutality, social unrest, unjust justicism, justice systems, religious hypocrisy, when we look around and we think that things can't get any worse and then things get worse, God offers his comfort. When you get discouraged because every day there's 1,000 or 10,000 new cases of COVID-19, it seems like it will never end. God offers his comfort. When you're about to quit on your marriage, your children, your family, God offers his comfort. He says, be not dismayed. For I am your God. Brothers and sisters, when God says this, God, this is God's way of saying, I am in control. Ah, that's a good word. And here's some more good news this morning. Because he is in control, that means he can turn things around. Yes, he can turn things around. He can turn around the marriage. Uh, he can turn around that child. He can turn around the lost income. He can turn around that diagnosis. He can turn your tears of sorrow into tears of joy. He will turn your situation around and give you total victory. He makes your enemy your footstool. God can use the evil things that Satan has brought against you as a tool for your deliverance and victory. God has turnaround power. There's nothing that God cannot turn around. No death, no curse, no enemy, no virus can hold back God's turnaround power. I see another move in this text. He provides strength for our struggles. He provides strength for our struggles. He says, I will strengthen you. He says, I will strengthen you for the Israelites. Uh, there would be times when it felt as if they could no longer go on. There would be times when it seemed that defeat was inevitable. In those moments of weakness, God promised that he would provide strength. He would sustain them. We all have faced those moments of weakness. We all have felt as if we could go no longer. We all have felt that we could not keep up. We all have felt like we could go on no longer. If the truth be told, you and I do not have strength on our own to meet the demands that the trials of life present to us. Your strength is limited. My strength is limited. But isn't it good to know that his strength is unlimited? The Christian life, my brothers and sisters, you've heard it, is a battleground, not a playground. So if we're going to live this life, we need his 
strength. The good news is his strength is real, it's available, and it's sufficient. He will give strength to see every duty and every day come to its complete conclusion. God has not promised blue skies or flower-covered pathways all of our life through. God has not promised sun without rain. Joy without sorrow, peace without pain, but God has promised to give you and I strength. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up on wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. I read somewhere in the text, in the scriptures, the apostle Paul say, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound in, in every way, everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, to be abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I heard Paul say, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. There is a story. One day, a small boy was trying to lift a heavy stone, but he could not budge it. His father passed by, stopped to watch his son's efforts. Finally, he said to his son, are you using all of your strength? He said, yes, I am, dad. But he said a little frustrated. But the father calmly said to him, no, son, you're not because you have not asked me for help. Could it be some of us don't have the strength we need because we have not asked our father for help. My brothers and sisters, when you feel weak, he will strengthen you. You may feel feeble, but he will strengthen you. You may feel faint, but he will strengthen you. You may feel fragile, but he will strengthen you. You may feel frail, he will strengthen you. You may be frustrated, but he will give you strength. I see another move in this text. He provides, watch this, aid for our adversities. He says, I will help you. Folk, listen to me. Just as you and I don't have strength to face our trials, neither do we have the wisdom or knowledge. You and I do not have the ability to know the details of the circumstances of life to guide our steps rightly. You, you and I don't even know what's going to happen one minute from now, let alone one month from now. On your own, on my own, you and I are helpless creatures in this world. If you continue down to verses 13, and 14 in this text, you'll discover twice more, we read the wonderful words, I will help you. 
three times in the space of three of five verses uh, in the Bible. In this passage, the Lord promised his direct help, not a hint or a maybe or a possibility or a condition attached to it. Just straight forward promise a promise from the Lord that I will help you. So regardless of what you may face today, tomorrow, the next day, do not fear because our heavenly father promised he is nearby and helping us every step of the way. Uh, my brothers and sisters, I got a little Bible for that. In Second Chronicles chapter 26, Uzziah was made king of Judea in the place of his father, in Judah, in the place of his father at the age of 16 years old. And he reigned for 52 years. Now, when I read this, the first question that came to my mind was this. What does a 16-year-old know about running a country? What does a 16-year know about building an economy? What does a 16-year know about trade relationships with, with both nearby neighbors and nations? What does a 16-year-old know about dealing with social unrest and providing political stability? The answer to that question is this, I don't know. But what I do know is that he had the Lord's help. And brothers and sisters, when you have the Lord's help, that's all you really need. He was it was not his pedagogy. It was not his pedigree or his prestige. It was not his mother or father that gave him success as a king. It was because he had the Lord's help. He got help from the Lord. It is reminded to us today that it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, educated or uneducated, from the right side of the track or the wrong side, from the penthouse or the poorhouse. We all need help from the Lord. Is there anybody out there that's listening to me this morning that can testify that the only reason I made it this far is because the Lord was helping me. The only reason I didn't lose my mind, the only reason I didn't give up and quit, the only reason I made it this far is because I had the Lord's help. I'm almost done. I have one more move in this text. Uh, we notice here we see a final move and we see that uh, we should not panic because he provides security for our souls. He says, I will up, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Captivity was coming, but they would not be destroyed. They would not perish at the hands of the enemy. They were secure in the mighty hand of God. They are safe and secure in the Lord's hand. Listen, I don't know what's coming tomorrow or the next day or the next day or next week or next month. I don't know when we will get to worship again 
in person, face to face. I don't know uh, when this virus will knock on my door or your door. I don't know if the politicians will keep their word. I don't know if the stimulus packages will be enough. I don't know if everyone who needs health care will get health care. I don't know if the stock market will ever get better. I don't know if there'll ever be enough hospital beds. I don't know if we'll if our children will ever get back to school. But what I do know, the Lord promised that he will uphold us with his right hand of righteousness. There's a song that many of you might know. It says, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from the sunshine for its skies may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future. For I know what Jesus said, and today I'll walk beside him, for he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Throughout Scripture, God's right hand is a symbol of his power, his protection, his love, and his grace. There are no better hands, if God really had hands, than God's hands. God's hands never age. They never wrinkle. They never get stiff or sore. God never loses grip. He has you and me. We may have to endure battles while living this life. We may get a few bumps and bruises along the way. But we are upheld by the mighty hand of God. God is going to hold us up because God always does the right thing. The one who holds us up is not a shady character, no an unreliable con artist who sells you gold and that turns out to be fool's gold because God is righteous. The actions he takes in our lives are driven by his righteous purpose and character. And we can count on him to keep his promises. He will uphold us. He will uphold us with his right hand of righteousness. The right hand being a symbol of strength and steadiness. And he is ready to act. Psalmist says in Psalm 145, verses 13 and 14, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all those who are bowed down. He helps us. He holds us when we are shaking like a leaf. So in conclusion, I simply want to tell you, don't panic. Trust God. Stop, take a look and notice that the sun is still shining and the moon is still setting. The birds are still singing. We still have air to breathe. The flowers are still blossoming. Roses are still budding. I'm reminded of Matthew 
6 and 33 that says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be added. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own troubles. Don't panic. Trust God. I'd like to pray for you and encourage you that God is here. He's present. He gives fellowship for our fears. He gives comfort for our confusion. He gives strength for our struggles. He, provide, he provides aid for, for our adversities. And he provides security for our souls. Let us pray. God, in this season that we don't know from minute to minute, moment to moment, hour to hour, what lies ahead. But we do know that you go before us and you walk with us. I pray today, O oh God, Lord, that you would strengthen those who are struggling. God, that you would aid those who are in the midst of adversity. Oh, God, that you would let those who are fearful know that you are present. And when our souls ache and wonder and yearn, help us to remember that you provide security, that nothing shall ever be able to separate us from your love. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your people this morning. I pray, God, that you would be with them and go with them and let them know in a meaningful and real and tangible way how deeply you love them and care for them. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.